Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today it's really a big, big pleasure because I have a, a big expert in digital transformation together with you, Marcus Kuhnlein. Hi, Marcus. How are you? I'm good. Thanks a lot, Greg, for inviting me. I'm very happy today to be here and to, to have a discussion with you. Thank you very much. From Zurich to Zurich, but in a digital way to make that available also to the audience of the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Uh, Marcus is here together with me. The people that doesn't know Marcus, Marcus is extremely active in LinkedIn and he has a lot of followers. And I really suggest to everybody to follow Marcus before we start the discussion, post this podcast, follow Marcus because he's sharing a lot of great insight around a lot of in really, really interesting topics. Topics, and that's also why I asked Marcus to to join my podcast. But I don't want to explain everything. If if it's Marcus is here, let's start introducing today's top player. Marcus, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, of course. So yeah, I, I'm. My background is digital transformation. So um, I'm coming really from the digital side and I've been leading the digital transformation in different industries. Um, that was on the one hand side, the machine industry. Then I was in chemicals industry. I was also leading IT departments in, in the insurance world, for example, SAP analytics, web departments. And um, before I, I was a consultant. So that's my, my career path. And I decided just recently to um, focus fully onto my startups. I've started in parallel certain different startups um, together with friends, together with colleagues. And um, I've decided to push fully into that direction and see what's happening. Thank you very much, Marcus. And please, could you share the name of the startups? Yeah, of course. So um, the biggest one at the moment is Quarero. That's a student platform. So what we do is we, we connect students and companies all around the world. So it's very international. And um, so the topic is you have a problem or a task or a project as a company. And that can be something small, like you need a marketing video, you need a, a research analysis, or something big, you need a whole blockchain, or you need a, a robot. And you put this task into this platform and we We match you with a group of students or with single students, what fits for you, and then run this project. And um, that's quite exciting because um, we work a lot in Africa, we work a lot in Asia, we work in Europe, so we connect really the whole world. And that's that's the biggest one. And the other ones is, um, one is going into crowd strategy consulting, also quite exciting. Another one into AI more, and the, the fourth one into data. That's a really, really interesting. And for the audience, you will find all the links to the startups available in, in the show notes. Um, I am super keen to ask the next, next question because I know you have a lot of energy you already shared in the pre-discussion, everything what you are doing and how you are managing your daily job and perhaps also working during night. Uh, which values drive you in life? Yeah, so, so I am a person and I thought about that Yeah, it's a lot about, my life is a lot about innovation. 
So I'm really into innovation and, and driving innovation, also um, connecting the world, connecting people, um, openness, um, also diversity, and um, creating a network of people and working with them together. And that's a lot of fun for me. That's a lot of experience I make. And um, that's also something which drives me because I see a lot of problems around the world and I, I can often connect people who can solve these problems or can work on the solutions. And that's really something which drives me a lot. Uh, thank you very much. And you mentioned in one of the previous discussion that I was following that you um, created a startup with together with somebody you never met. Could you yes, true, true. Story? Yeah, true. Yeah, that's that's this AI startup. It's it's still research phase at the moment, and it's a person from India. She's from India. She is a lawyer in India actually, and we met on LinkedIn and we chatted. We we had different phone calls. We talked about ideas and. Then it got more and more concrete. So we started a startup together, also with some other friends we involved, and um, we still work together. It's super, super interesting and super intriguing what, what, what you're sharing. And therefore, let's let's start the game. Today we are speaking about digital transformation, or to be more precise, also following the headliner of uh, Marcus, creating the digital future. Um, from could you please share from your point of view what is the definition the best definition of digital transformation yeah so so for me it's always um three big pillars and and the one side what i see always or where i also worked in is the market side and and that's the thing how to create new products digital products which enhance your existing products and also drive um further with your turnover create turnover create cash flow create value for your customers that's that's the one side then on the other side there is the internal side this is more um, the internal processes, smart production, if you are a production company, how to optimize all these things, how to work uh, together in all these areas. So that's this side. And I always tell the people, then there is a big, big fundament. And this fundament is the people, the culture, the company, how do they work together? How how influence is that, um, the, the top layer by the culture? Because culture plays a big, big role, how successful you are as a company. And it's quite clear which is the next question I'm going to ask <laughs> because we're speaking about the foundation and I really like and enjoy what you're saying and I hope a lot of people are listening to, to this episode because it starts with people. A lot of um, colleagues also in, in the corporate world are coming to me, uh, look at this technology, look at that technology. I'm not taking a technology and searching for a problem. I start with internal problems and with the culture and it needs to fit into the culture, this solution. Could you please share your view on of the role of culture in digital transformation? Yeah, so so in, in my opinion, it's the essential view, it's the essential success factor. And only if you 
if the culture supports something, then it's running. Without support from the culture side, it, it's not running. And I think that's that's also a, a big, big point still, and it, this is in the long time, that there are two less cultural programs. That the focus is often on technology, on building something, creation, um, hardware, software, whatever, and creating products. But the culture is forgotten often. And still today, and, and everybody knows this, and I talk a lot with people like you are, like really digital experts about that. But often the top management is too much still focused on, yeah, we create a new product. And that's why it's, it's um, I think, the most important success factor for a company is the culture. And if you have a culture that um, supports you like um, failure culture, that is open to change, that is open to innovation, then it's another starting point as if you have a closed culture, which is more like classical and traditional and focused on the old values. And, and I think that's the, the, the big, big, big um, challenge there. Uh, thank you, Marcus. Uh, before I comment that, uh, for, for the show notes, um, please, if you're making notes, Marcus said I am a digital expert. <laughs> Therefore, thank you for the compliment. No, jo joke aside, I think what you're saying is, is extremely important, that the role of the culture of the people and fitting into this culture and bringing the, the, the right solution. Perhaps do you have some example or best practices that you leverage in your in your career in order to ensure that there is this fit? Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, there are so many. It's it's from internal processes to to new products, everything. And um, I, I just give you an example from my last job in the machine industry. And um, we built there a new steering system for machines, which is a big smartphone. So it's a very big smartphone with a camera integration, multi-touch, um, with, with apps on, on the smartphone. And um, the biggest challenge was the internal discussions about that product because the culture was more classical uh, machine industry is quite conservative so there were a lot of people in the in the production sites who said this will not run nobody will buy this product nobody wants that um, we don't want smartphones like that <laughs> and in private life everybody uses a smartphone but steering your machine with a kind of smartphone a big smartphone was always the idea no that's not working and because the people don't want it. And we went then with that product to the market and interesting was the customers liked it. So that the most challenging thing was to, to um, fight with the internal culture, to fight with the people who have done that since 30 years with um, old screens and um, with mouse and with uh, keyboards and have never made a, a grinding process in that case with um, a flat screen, with a, with a multi-touch screen. And that was a big, big challenge. Uh, it's it's super interesting. And I think this is also related to the first item that you mentioned. It's it's the market. It's speaking yeah. with the customer, finding yeah. the customer yeah. and solving customer problems, not finding, <laughs> not having a solution and find problems. Could you please uh, deep dive on also on the topic market? Yeah, so so customer um, talking and connecting with customer is extremely important. And I see that also a lot and, and I'm still doing some freelancer jobs in, in digital transformation with um, working especially on the strategy with companies. And what I see is often 
a lot of companies are still very engineering driven and they come with this engineering mindset and come with, we build that and then we push it to the market and that's it. And they forget to talk with the customers and it's still this mindset. Um, we can create that better. We know it, but when you dig a little bit into it and, and talk with the people a little bit deeper, then it's often the case that they don't know the customer that well. They don't know the real problems of the customer. They, they just know a little bit what they are doing, but they don't know the whole process. And I think there is the value to understand the whole process of the customer and to give the customer solutions, which are not only focused on a little problem, but also can help him in, in a bigger context. And I think that's that's a big value, which is not really fully understood by a lot of companies. I really like what you are saying and perhaps also sharing an example. You are in Zurich, I am in Zurich and um, very well known is the Swiss quality. And I see with a company from Switzerland that they want to have the perfect solution and the perfect product before going to market. They spent years two three years still nowadays to have the perfect product before going going to the market perhaps with your international experience is is the same also in older cultures or what do you see and what do you suggest also to companies yeah so so i i suggest um experiments <laughs> and then that's that's uh internationally it's different in my opinion what i see in the markets but um yeah, I would say Middle Europe is is there quite conservative. That's like you say, you want a perfect product with no no error, nothing, and it can then go to the market. But you need a long, long time, and you don't know how the customer reacts. And I think that's the opportunity to go with experiments into the market, to go um, faster into the market, and also um, have a, a group of, let's say, friendly customers, a group of customers where you can really be very open, work very close with them, and then you can grow and learn to. That's, I think, a, a big opportunity still. And, yeah. and um, yeah, we are, we are still. Uh, cultural side away from that i think <laughs> that, that's that's true I, I fully agree with you and this is a, an, an issue that we have in particular on the european side of the world uh, perhaps could you please share also from your personal experience you mentioned you you, you are in four startups and uh, how was your first impression with the market how you started really speaking with customer yeah, I, I think um, startup world is a little bit different, and especially if you look at, at the business models. So what is quite um, fixed in the corporate world and very slow moving and very slow adapting, um, that's very fast changing in the startup world. And um, what happens in the startup world is you, you create a team. You have a timeline, you go into the market and you notice four weeks later, oh, it's not running like we thought. So you change it again. And then you notice again, okay, something is working, something not. So you adjust again. And, and that's why you constantly work on your business model. So there is always work on the business model ongoing. And um, I, I always try to follow the customer. In the end, what, what is the need of the customer? And... I try to follow that path. And sometimes you come with a solution and the customer says, 
it's nice, but I don't need it. <laughs> so so you adapt and you, so you change. And I think that's the, the big opportunity. And that's why also so many smaller companies come out of nowhere and suddenly with, with great products and suddenly take over whole markets. Uh, I think there is also an, a really interesting point I, I would like to double click on. You you said uh, we we went on the market, we tried, and the customer gave feedback, positive or negative. How are customer reacting if the product is not not working as expected? And is there is there still an opportunity? Why I'm asking this question again? We are both in Switzerland, therefore a very well known uh, uh, tool uh, in Switzerland for money transfer between uh, persons, person to persons. We use Twint. Yes. that's the name of uh, on, of an app. It's now very well known. At and to be honest, sometimes it doesn't work, but. Yeah. Because uh, people are saying, "Oh, let's wait. We try. We try later, and a few hours later, it works, and we still continue using that." I see a lot of corporates that want to have the perfect product with the complete stability, and they are never going to the market. Sorry. Now back to you, <laughs> leaving you to, to answering the question. Yes. So, so I see it the same way. It's, it's, we are too much often focused on highest quality and then going to the market. It, it will never work like that, I think. And what our experience was, when I look at Quarero, for example, we said to the customer, look, we are, uh, yeah, we are a young startup. We have built now a platform and we know not everything is perfect. We are in a testing phase. We try that and, um, if it's not working, please tell us, please help us to grow and to, to learn. And it's so important for us to learn because you are the expert. We are just trying to help you with something. And that worked very well, I have to say. So so most of the companies um, were very happy with that approach. And we have customers which, um, yeah, we started with them already now two years ago or something when we about two years ago we went to the market so they are still in the platform still working with us and they saw a lot of problems in that platform i'm sure uh, i think thank you thank you for sharing this uh, this this insight the the second topic you, you mentioned earlier was, was internal processes and how to create that could you could you could you please deep dive also on this topic yeah so so um it's um, so internal processes are always a lot of opportunities to optimize with digital technologies. You can do so many things. And um, I think it, it's um, what you see is there is always a lot of repetitive work, for example, which people do. And people shouldn't do repetitive work. They should do exciting work, right? They should do things which drives them, which they love, which they like. And, and I think there are always opportunities to optimize with technology. And that can be, um, if we look into production, like like smart production things, paperless production, these things um, where I worked in the past, or also things like in the office. So opti office optimizations with new tools, new technologies to optimize things which are there and often very outdated and often very old. And um, I have to say, when I when I look into companies, sometimes I'm really scared what you see there, how the product 
processes work. And you ask the people, how old is that process? And I, I had one discussion in a company once not long ago, and there they said, yeah, we have, um, I have created this. This was the head of the department, but that was when uh, I was as um, working as an apprentice. So it's 20 years ago and it stayed like this. And that's quite scary if you see how technology has moved, but processes couldn't move that fast behind the technology. It totally makes sense. With processes, it's the same with technology, but we need to interpret that because a lot of people are saying never touch a running system, but on the <laughs> yes. other side, it's, it's time now to challenge these processes, to change them and to amend them. I often also uh, have discussion and then people are saying yeah, it, uh, every time it works like that and therefore we are doing that like that. And yeah. then you ask why? And the, the answer is it was always like that. And yeah. Yeah. that's, that's make, re make really yeah. extremely difficult. Yeah. Is perhaps there a, an example that you can share with the audience that you worked on for, for such an improvement? Yeah, I have once built in chemical industry a center for digital technologies in Barcelona. Um, and, and there we, we did a lot of optimizations with RPA, for example, and, and smart um, process optimization topics. So there we, we did a lot. And a main point was there also, again, the culture. So first, when we started to work on that, everybody was scared I lose my job. And that's also a thing where you have to work with people first and explain them that they don't lose their job, that they just get rid of the, of the boring stuff and that they can focus on the value stuff. And I think that's also something which is very important um, to, to give the people the confidence that they are still there, that they still have a job, that they still can go forward and that they have even the option to grow. And I think that's... That's also their main point. And otherwise, I think they they will never cooperate and you will never get the real details about these processes. So that's the big challenge you would have then. I think what you're saying is extremely important. Employees need to have the right mindset, the willingness to change. I, I am still the opinion that there will be enough work for everybody because we saw, it, we saw also that with the industrialization it was first agriculture and then it went to industrialization but there was enough job for everybody or even they were always looking for new people and exact exactly the same is nowadays robots will not uh, be the substitute of human beings but we need to accept that we will have different works we are not going to do exactly the same work for the next 20 years but we need to stay open for for change yeah and I think you are extremely open for change and digitalization. May I ask you one, one personal question? Where does this passion for a digital transformation come from? That's, that's a good question, actually. Um, I, I think I was always going into that direction. And um, I, I, from, from a background, I studied originally economics, but I always was also in parallel active on the technology side. And I always had this passion for technology and was mixing that up. So economics and technology together. And um, I think that that made me go into this innovation direction and made me think always like, um, yeah, what can be done? What is interesting to do? What What is also fun to do? It's also fun, of course. It has to be fun, I think. That's also important. 
And uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, you mentioned at the beginning that you moved from the corporate world into the, the startup world now, full-time in the startup world. When was the deciding point that you decided, okay, now I need to stop and move into the startup and go, go into this unknown? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was not long ago. It's recently, I just um, changed some time ago, very short time ago. And it's some months ago when I saw that, um, yeah, I, I need more time for the startups. And I was doing everything in the night. I was doing working a lot on the weekends, of course. That's normal, I think. And um, I saw that there is is more power needed in the startup world. And and what I also see is you, you don't do just your job in the startup world. I'm I'm mainly always responsible for technology things, but um, you also need to sell. You also need to do finance. You you do everything in the end. So you have to be flexible and everywhere is someone needed. And I think from really my art and the art of the audience, we wish you all the best in your new, uh, <laughs> new career phase. And we are sure that you will you will create outstanding uh, startups. Perhaps moving also on uh, to, to the leadership topic, uh, can you share with us one of your biggest failure failure and what you learned in your career? Yeah. So so failures. Yeah. Um, I would say coming to 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 a cultural topic. I would say also also coming to the startup world. Um, you create a culture when you build a company. I, I I have experienced that um, only when I created companies by myself. I, I it was not in my mind like this before, and you create your culture really from the beginning. What you do in the beginning, and I think that's a big influence on the culture of the company, also for the future. So you you move that into the future, and when you accept things. In the beginning, then um, things happen in that way that they shouldn't do sometimes. And that's exactly the point where I now think, okay, I, I should have done things differently. And and that's really a, a topic. I, I wasn't aware of that when I created first with first colleagues my companies. It's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting. And you mentioned also that you are extremely active working during the weekend, during night, uh, very active also on, on LinkedIn. What's your definition or your relationship with uh, resilience? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's the one of the key points in when you do startups, when you are an entrepreneur, when you create something new, it's a key point. Of course, also important in corporate world, when you do digital transformation, you need that because you will, a lot of people will fire on you. <laughs> but um, what I see in corporate world, you have, uh, in, in startup world, you have everywhere problems to solve. It, it pops just up and you have to keep going. You just have to keep going and keep going. And um, the, the other side, what you have there is um, in corporate worlds, you just get your money, your salary. In the startup world, you have an investor. We have for, for Quarero, there's an investor in, but um, you also have to look for further investors. You have to start making turnover. You have to show them how that turnover grows. So you are constantly um, fighting on different areas, and, and that is really resilience. I, I think that totally makes sense, and it's extremely interesting and in relation to 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 leadership what are the the key leadership lessons that you learned throughout your career that you can share with the audience 
Yeah, I, I'm. Um, when I look at leadership, I'm a very cooperative leader, and and I'm, um, I am. I would say, what I always liked is building groups and teams which are very agile, and and that's the the way I I really like to lead. And and I see a lot in industry. It's still very classical. It's still very hierarchical. And I believe if you empower the people, if you give the people the, the power to be to do something and decide something on their own, they are more active, they are more passionate, they are thinking, and, and they bring a lot of more value. And that's why I always um, tried also in the corporate world to, to empower the people, to give them the power to, to decide. That's why I like also the, the agile style massively more than the classical hierarchical style. I think what you're saying, it, it's a really interesting. And based also on my background, uh, football, uh, the team is much more stronger than uh, every individual in the team. And they need to help each other to, to win the game and to achieve the, the defined target. Absolutely. I know that we are coming to an end to this, uh, to this game, but I still have some questions for you. And the one that I'm super keen to ask is, in 10 years from now, we are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. What we are discussing about? I, I'm one point. I'm sure we will still discuss about culture. <laughs> I'm hundred percent sure we will still have cultural topics that will never be solved. I think that that's a big thing. Um, from technology side, I believe what we started at the moment with this AI boom that will go forward. I have the feeling at the moment there is so much ongoing, and I think there are big things on the way. At the moment so so i believe we are really at a starting point to something very big and um so i think we will talk about that the, the big things that happened and about culture but i hope to chat with you before, before of course that, in the next few months or next few years um thank you very much in the extra time of this um, short pot, uh, episode, I would like to ask you three questions with three short answers. Is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience that helped you during your career or during your personal life? Yeah, yeah, it's it's perhaps already a classical book in the meantime. So, so what I still love is Simon Sinek, um, Start With Why. It's it's still a classical book and I love the direction. I, I love the di direction of purpose and, and, and passion. And that's why I still believe this is a great book. <laughs> I can recommend that it's it's really a great book, a book that we or I read several times because it's it's you can always find something additional. Yeah. What's the best way to find you? Um, best way on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm I'm my community is still growing and I I I, I can share that I was um, nominated in the to the list of the top 200 content creators just last week and very exciting to see that that um, I am in there. Two people from Switzerland are in there, and of course, that makes me also proud that I can represent represent Europe also there in this list. Thank you very much, and congratulations for 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 sharing this this great achievement. I can understand why you are on the, on, on that list. And <laughs> thanks. And now we are coming to the last question: Is Marcus Golden Nugget? It's something that we discuss, or something new to leave to the audience. Yeah, so, so what's the golden nugget? I would say um, embrace risks is important. Lifelong learning is very important. And for me, of course, also relationships and networking. 
that's the big things. Thank you very much, Marcus. I don't allow myself to comment Marcus Golden Nugget because that's your golden nugget. Uh, for the audience, it's everything. Marcus, please stay with me. To the audience, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. Please follow Marcus on, uh, on LinkedIn. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me or, or Marcus. We love feedback. Thank you very much and bye-bye. Thank you, Greg. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.